lift up your name higher. I will lift up your name higher. Praise Jehovah, you are wonderful. I will lift up your name higher. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Sabby Speaks, and I'm back with another podcast episode. That's my YouTube my youtube intro every single youtuber opens up like that hey yo what's up gang and we're back fam with another clan <laughs> no no play but no it's a girl savvy speaks and let's just do a weather check real quick so i'm currently in berea the highest 57 the lowest 42 and it's about 45 degrees but it is hot over here under the sun If you have, if this is your first time, like, listening to my podcast, hello, how are you doing? Um, This is a podcast about everything, literally under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun, so we're going to talk about it. We're literally going to sit here and soak in some vitamin D. And today we're soaking some vitamin D on me. We're getting to know me in a basic sense, but then also in, like, a deeper sense. So that, like, we can understand who the girl is and who it is you're listening to. So, I have some people send in some questions. Some of my closest friends ask, um, like, they're asking me questions, and then I also posted it on my social media. So, for those who, you know, had questions, I put them all together so that I can answer them so that you can get a better understanding of who Sabby Speaks is. So, I'm just going to pull up the questions, and I'm going to go from a range of, like, basic to personal because I had a lot of questions. So, I was like, let me just consolidate them and then take a bit from each group each category so i'll start off with very very basic and then the more i go into it i'll get more and more personal and more and more deep and we're going into the ocean so if you wanted to know these questions about me i guess you get a free pass you don't have to take me on no date you know what i'm saying you don't have to see me out of cheesecake factory ask me these questions but if you still want to take me out of cheesecake factory and ask me these questions i must stop in you thank you so the very first question um basic is oh sorry sorry that's not so bad oh i'm not calling you basic i'll say it's a basic question but um the first question is what is my favorite music now i could go on and on and on and on about this but i would say that i listen to a range of gospel african music and occasionally r&b that's like if ever i'm in the mood to sing but uh, I listen to a wide range of music. So the, the top two are definitely gospel and Afrobeats. Sometimes I put them together like Afrobeat gospel, where it's like about God, but then the beat is nice and banging. I love listening to my top two husbands. Um, I don't believe in polygamy, but my top two husbands are Jonathan McReynolds and Molly Music. I love them. I've been loving them since middle school. So if you just found out about them, I'm sorry. They're both taken by me. Um, their album, Adulting, is that what it's called? Adulting. I think it was amazing because I loved Jonathan separately and I loved Molly separately. So them coming two together was like a fiesta. So I love them. I mentioned R&B. So I really, really used to, <laughs> one day I'll probably get into this when it comes to like conviction, but I really, really used to love like 90s R&B and I still love it, but I just don't listen to it as much because god knows my heart he told me to slow down <laughs> i love voice to men i love new edition i love soul for real that one song candy rain my i love 
Do you ever dream of candy-coated raindrops? You're the same, my candy rain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love them, love them, love them. I'm not going to lie to you. When I first came to Kentucky, mind you, I'm in Kentucky for school. When I first came to Kentucky, I did not like country music. Not at all, but I am not even going to lie to you. It's growing on me. <laughs> it's growing on me just a little bit. Because I found this group called Third Time Out. And, like, when you hear the harmonization of these grassroots bands, it's almost like, how could you not love country? So I'm not going to lie to you. Country is growing on me. Uh, if you don't like it, deal with it. Next question. Where were you born? So people don't believe me when I say this, but I'm telling the truth. I was born in Westerchild, London. People don't understand me. I'm literally a London girl. No, 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 I'm lying. I wasn't born in London, but I was actually born in Europe. I was born in Italy, Portanone, Italy. And I don't know exactly where that is, but I know it's in Italy. And most people don't believe me when I tell them that I'm part of the Italian mafia, but it's literally my birth certificate. And I can't even read my birth certificate because it's in Italian. So I don't know what to tell you. I'm not gonna take a picture and upload it because that's just nonsense, but you have to trust me. I was born in Italy. Next question, what is your favorite hobby? Now, don't laugh at me for this one because um, my friend just asked me this like a few weeks ago. She said, what do you do for fun? And I laughed because I said, <laughs> I take showers and I'm not even gonna lie to you. That is so, it's so soothing and relaxing for me. Um, I don't know if you could consider it a hobby because you should, you should be showering every day anyway. But I love taking showers at the end of the night. Like when you've already been through like a long day and you've just been through the ups and downs of life and you take a nice hot shower and then you go to sleep and you wake up and you don't even have to take a shower. You just have to go about your day. Oh, I love that so much. I really do love it, love it, love it so much. So... I know hobby is something you do in your free time, but I, I, I love to shower every night because that's the time I like really to wind down and I talk to God and I listen to music. So that's that's one thing. But if you won't take showering as an answer, then I'd probably say I love to create content on social media, like maybe whether it's like a Twitter feed or like make maybe a TikTok video or Instagram video. I like to create content. So that's one thing that I like to do. I also like to watch content like hair videos because if you don't know, I braid hair and I love doing it for the art. I love to see how that looks and I like to see how other people are making it. So now we're going to get a little personal and it's not quite personal, but I think the way I'm going to answer it is going to be a little bit more personal. But the first one is how old do you want to be when you get married? Now, I have a, I have a, a, a strategy because I mean, I've been thinking about this since I was like 13, but I, okay, <laughs> I want to get married at 26 at the, I want to say at the youngest. I don't want to be 30 before I get married. I want to get married before I turn 30, but I don't know. In my mind, I always saw 26 and it's because I watched TV. And when I watched TV, it just made it seem like you got to be in a relationship for four years before you get married and so i've been rocking with that philosophy since then if i'm dating somebody i want to know every single part of you as much as i can before i get married to you and that's like i gotta see you when you're happy 
I got to see you when you're mad. I got to see you, how you act with your friends. I got to see how you act around my friends. And even like, how do you act around your family? Yeah, I feel like I have to just know so much about you that I'm confident that when we get married and you do change, because I believe, I believe marriage changes people and you get to see sides that you did never got to see before. I just want to make sure that I cover like most of the bases that I can. So I want to be 26 when I get married. And if it happens before, uh, <laughs> I don't know. If it happens either, not too bad. Uh, I just want to make sure that by the time I'm 26, I'm married so that like I don't enter into my late 30s before I start having children. Because I don't want to have children right away. I want to actually wait a little bit. Because ah, I got married to have a nice married life. And we had babies already. <laughs> Just slow down. So second question is, do you believe in soulmates? And like short answer, yes. And a longer answer, I kind of like to use the term, is it destiny? Yeah, is it destiny partner or like, ah, you people help me out. You know when they say like, oh, that's my uh, a destiny uh, keep keeper? Yeah, I don't even remember. But there's a term that's like someone who is for you for life or they're trying, they're, they're there to help your destiny. Destiny helper. Ah, there you go. Destiny helper. And so I believe in soulmates. I also believe in destiny helpers, that there are people who are there in life specifically to help you move forward, to pour into you. You pour into them, that God saw your mission and their mission and was like, okay, y'all can definitely go farther together. So I definitely believe in soulmates and destiny helpers. And I don't believe soulmates def like just have to be within relationships. Like, I don't believe it just has to be a guy and a girl. And then, you know, God was like, oh, y'all gonna be soulmates. Nah, I, I definitely feel like your friends can be soulmates because you're a mate to my soul. <laughs> and I think that makes sense. Next question. Would you slap your parents for $10 million? Now, as much as I like to joke, I also like to be very, very serious. So I'm going to seriously approach this question. They will share 2.5 and I keep the five. That's like the way that it's going to work. We have to sit down and talk about this, but I can't even imagine me raising my hand to like literally slap my parents and then like have enough time to breathe and tell them, oh, uh, it's for $10 million. Oh, no, 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 no. I just, I just can't. But if we're to sit down and have a conversation and I can let you know this is what's going to happen, then yeah, <laughs> please. Now, would they slap me for 12, $10 million? That's next question. What is your biggest pet peeve? I'm not going to lie to you. So I'm going to name three things. Two of them I do, which is a little bit hypocritical. One of them is like chewing gum loudly. And if I were to get my sister on this podcast, the way she would expose me because I chew gum very, very loudly. And she's always like, ah, chew like a lady. Ah, da -da 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 -da. And I like to chew gum and oh, I chew gum I chew for a long time. So I like to just like make sounds and <laughs> and I lose awareness of where I am, of what the flavor is, because the flavor is already gone and I'm still chewing. So I, I think one of my peppies is when someone is chewing gum loudly, especially when it's just like you zone out, but you, you zone back in and they're still chewing and it's like, ah, it's okay. My second pet peeve is like when you're watching a movie and someone keeps talking and it's not even like they're just like talking just to talk, but it's like they're talking at the movie or they're asking questions or they're constantly interrupting and it's like, okay, 
like you know you it's grace i give you grace to express yourself with the movie but like at some point please why are you no 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 but the thing is i do it too so the thing is if i'm watching a movie and like the killer is around the corner i mean i don't watch scary movies so let's say we're watching a movie and like it's an action movie and somebody has a gun I'm screaming at the screen. Like, I'm throwing a fit. I might even fall on the ground. It's happened a few times. And, like, I'm dramatic in that sense. And so I apologize to people whenever, like, if they're the type of person that doesn't like that, I'm sorry in advance. But that's me. And so it's weird because I do it. But I also don't like when other people do it, especially when I'm trying to (laughs) enjoy the movie. So very, very, very hypocritical of me. But, yeah, those are the two that are my pet peeves, but I also do. But I think one of my biggest ones are... Twitter fingers. Like, it's not that you have fingers and you tweet that it upsets me, but it's when people have the audacity to be so bold behind a screen, but to my face, you won't say anything. And like, I feel like that tears me so much because it's just like, nowadays people are very, very, very bold. But they will not say it to your face. So my thing is, if you will not say it to my face, then don't go and type it. Don't go and tell somebody else. Come and tell me. Big man, big man, come and tell me. So that's, that's just, yeah. That, it, it gets me on all different types of levels. I just feel like having kind of conversation is so important. And so if you have something that disturbs you or something that bothers you, it's so important that like we can have a respectful conversation about it. You might be heated and I might understand where your heat is coming from, but I'd rather you come to my face and let me know than it to go around in circles. You go in the track field, you're running a 100, jumping to 200 and it, and it, it gets back to me, but it's not from you. Cause then it makes me think about your character. Like, so what does that say about you that you have this problem? But then the thing is, it always comes back to me. That's the thing, it always comes back to me. But sometimes it never comes from the source. And I just, it, it irks my, my living soul. So that's my biggest, my biggest, biggest, biggest pet peeve. Um, but back on the bright side. <laughs> I said we're going to get real here. So yeah, that, that's literally one of my pet peeves. Um, I think it, it just kind of shows why in like the house rules. If you didn't listen to the first episode, please feel free. I went over like some house rules. And like one of the house rules was just like, if you have a problem, like respectfully, let me know. We could talk about it just because I just I want to open that space for people to be willing to share, of course, appropriately. And if it like matters, you know, so that goes into like now we're going to answer into like really more personal questions. And I'll start off with this question and it just kind of goes based off of what I was saying. Um, what do people misunderstand about you most? And I feel like. I, I've heard this from, like, other people. It's just that I have a strong personality. Now, I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty, like, you know, I'm solid in who I am, and I'm flexible, and I'm adaptable, depending on who I come across. I'm very approachable, very, very friendly. I don't have problems with people, usually. And so I think one thing that people misunderstand about me is that I feel like from, from other points of view, it's almost that I'm intimidating. I hear very much so that I'm, like, an independent person. You know, I... I have a business going for myself. I'm very business-minded. I'm very upfront. And so I, I would even say I'm confrontational to the point where it's not like I'm coming to bring you wahala. But, you know, if there's something, I address it head on. And I may do something scared, but I still do it, you know? So I think whenever people approach that type of behavior 
where they're not in that space to approach it the way I do, it comes off as like, oh, maybe she, like she's intimidating or she has like this big position. I don't know if I could come to this to this girl. And so I do think that's a, a huge misunderstanding. Like, yes, I'm independent. Yes, I'm a boss in some ways, but um, I'm also very human and I do get vulnerable and I do value intimate conversations where um, you can be honest and I may not agree with you. And I can be honest, and you may not agree with me, but we're still able to talk about it. So <laughs> my next question is, what sparked this interest? And um, I believe that's like regarding the podcast. And I spoke about it a little bit in my first episode, whenever I just mentioned like about two years ago, I don't know, I told God that I wanted to do it. And since then, like doors started opening where I started like, witnessing how a podcast works and started listening to podcasts more. But um, I say mainly it was during COVID. Yes, 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 yes. During quarantine, I really took it upon myself to like change my life because, you know, during COVID, it's like the day started and the day ended and everybody's home and they're not doing anything. Like we were having classes, but we didn't know what tomorrow looked like. And so I was kind of tired of the mundane, tired of like just living life as if, you know, like a vagabond. So I listened to this audiobook called Five Things uh, Five Things Successful People Do Before 8 a.m. by Terry Chevelle Foy. And I got that from my youth pastor. So shout out to you, Pastor Jackson, for putting me onto that. And that book changed my life. What? To the point where every morning I was waking up at 5 a.m. So I'm spending about an hour with God. Then at like 6 a.m., I was running around my neighborhood for about an hour. I would beat the sun up. Like, I'm running and then the sun is coming up. I come back to my house around 7. Everybody's still sleeping. I make breakfast for myself. I'm like stretching. I started doing these 30-minute stretches every day. I started uh, thinking about business ideas. And, you know, I was this was 2020. So I was like 19 doing all these things. I was drinking water and really improving in life. And I, I started listening to podcasts around that time. And so it was just like, wow, like me listening to other people was really influencing my life. And uh, yeah, I wanted to be like one of those voices that like, like to imagine right now, like I'm literally in your ear pod, your air pod, your, your uh, Bluetooth wireless, your beats, <laughs> or maybe your non-brand <laughs> speakerphone. I don't know. But to think that I could impact the masses in a way where Sometimes it's me speaking, sometimes it's through my personality, but God could really be speaking to someone to influence them. I was like, oh yeah, sign me up, Lord. So, you know, I'm here now and yeah, right now I'm 21 and I'm turning 22 in a few weeks. And that's actually when I plan to release this podcast. So I'm actually very, very, very excited. But um, that's my 22 years gift to myself is releasing this podcast. And I don't know, I have a vision that like, this is going to go somewhere. And I know it's going to go far. I know it's going to touch many grounds and, and inspire many people, but it starts with here. So I mentioned in my first episode, I don't want to get too deep into this, but I mentioned in my first episode that like, um, I was afraid of judgment. One of the things I was also afraid of was like, I'm a bit of a overcoming perfectionist. I like things to be very, 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 very perfect in my eyes, at least. So I like them to produce a certain quality and one thing about like me is that I started a YouTube channel when I was like 13 and I started dancing and I would continue on dancing and I continued on um, to make like inspirational videos about wisdom, about God and stuff like that. But 
one thing I lacked was consistency. And I have so many videos, so, so, so many videos in my camera phone, but they're not edited because I didn't have the discipline to edit. But I, I'm like, I feel like I'm a YouTuber at heart to the point where like, um, no matter what I do, it's almost like I'm YouTubing. If I'm going to the store, I'm, I'm, I'm vlogging. So it's a lot of things that spark this interest. But yeah, the next question is, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Now we are, today is, no, 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 I won't tell you today's dates, it's mysterious, but we're in 2023 right now, and in 10 years, that's going to be 2033, I will be, um, if I'm, if I'm t- turning 22 this year, I will be, oh, <laughs> I'll be 32 in 10 years, oh my gosh, okay, so this is how I see myself when I'm 32, I see myself married, for at least five, six years. I see myself with a three or four year old, maybe one or two children. I see myself still very young at heart, maybe leading a youth group, supporting the youth in my church, helping them make decisions in life. I see myself with a nice car, um, doing something in ministry, to be honest, doing something maybe in the church or like with a youth center or something inspiring them to work in their talents or to learn God for themselves. I see myself having a healthy lifestyle, maybe even teaching Zumba. I started teaching Zumba um, during COVID and I realized that it, it helped me a lot like with just happiness and getting like staying moving. And so in order to stay active, I, I see myself still doing Zumba and like having an impact on like old Asian ladies that go to the gym. Like <laughs> I see them coming to my classes and dancing to my African music. I see that maybe after the gym, I'm going and getting chicken and waffles from Peach Peachtree City Cafe. Oh, I love that place. Um, or maybe even getting Subway because I like to eat fresh. Ah, <laughs> they just bounce on me. But um, yeah, that's how I see myself in 10 years. Um, probably with a degree because I, I do graduate this year. So I have, I'll have my degree. Maybe I might have two masters or maybe a master's and a doctor's after that. A doctorate. Ah. Dr. Sabrina Champong. Hey! Inset husband's last name. Dr. Sabrina Achampong blank. Mm. I think it sounded very beautiful. Yeah. So that's how I see myself in 10 years. Do I see myself still braiding hair? Mm. Yes and no. Just because I see myself owning multiple salons and teaching others how to do hair and they're making money, but then like I'm the main entrepreneur, I'm the head boss in charge so like they're making money but then like they're paying me commission so that's why i see it next question what do you look for in a friend how i love this question what i look for in a friend i think mindset is everything um there's this one phrase that's just like you should never be the smartest in a group we should never be the most intelligent in a group and so Oftentimes, I look for people who will balance me out, in a sense. And it's not necessarily about me, but it's more about, like, where we can go together. So I often, I'm drawn towards intelligence where, like, someone knows something that I don't. In the sense of, like, whenever I'm around them, we're able to talk about intellectual things and talk about concepts. So it wasn't until I came to college that 
you know, I was able to share my life experiences and talk about trauma and talk about vulnerability and talk about how African parents did life the way they did. And because they did that, I ended up the way that I did. Like these things that I had no idea of, it wasn't until I came to college that my friends, like we all had those conversations about like, for example, like, you know, African parents, a lot of them married for survival. And so, you know, we come to the U.S. and we kind of see a lot of unhappy African parent relationships and marriages. And a lot of us are like, I don't want to be like that. And I want to marry for love. And then, but it's, it's kind of crazy because like being in America, sometimes you see people marry for love and you're like, yo, y'all got married like six years afterwards and it wasn't enough. But African parents, they married for survival and they're still together and they may not be happy, but they're still together. And so I have conversations like this where I'm looking at, you know, where my parents came from. I'm looking at, and I'm not saying that my parents are unhappy, but I'm using like the general African population, but I'm looking at where my parents came from. I'm looking at the land that I live in and I'm thinking, how do I want to be in my own marriage? I want to marry, not necessarily because I have to survive in this marriage or survive in this world, but I want to be in a marriage that I can see me and this person being together because not only do I love you, but your vision matches my vision. Or I know that us two together, we can conquer the world where I see where you're going and I want to go there with you. And I see where you're broken and I want to be there to help you in moments where you are healing. And it may not be the best time all the time. We may not always be laughing and giggling, but when you're crying, I want to hold you in my arms. So that type of deep vulnerability, I want to be able to carry that relationship. And that is survival because you cannot survive this world without another person. Like I want to be friends with my boo thing. I know that kind of went a little bit far, but like, that's what I look for in a friend. Someone who can challenge me into thinking about things that help me self-reflect, but also look at life in a different perspective. So I often like whenever um, friends are not just like me. I'm not going to lie to you. I used to only go for people who are just like me. African, raised in the church, you know, all those things. And oftentimes I, I do click with these people a little bit more because we have similar um similarities like we grew up the same way like we, we all got beat we all got called insults we all went through the same thing and so I do sometimes click closer to people who've gone through those experiences but I've often found that like I'm more challenged from people who haven't had the same experiences as me so I do look for different perspectives in my friends I look for someone who can embrace me and like like affirm me and like know who I am like I want to be able to come to somebody and like say like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And they're not like, if I were you, I would do this. But it's because I know you and how you operate and how you think I would do this. And it's like, dang, like, you know me so much to the point where like, you already know how I'm going to respond and react to this. Like, that's clutch. That is very, very, very clutch. And right now I have a friend who, (laughs) one of my closest friends, I tell her that Anytime she goes through something, I go through it too. Now, we can have a whole conversation about soul ties because that's very, very true. David and Jonathan in the Bible, they were very, very, very close. No, they were not gay, but they were very, very close where like one of them was like, I would like die for you. And I mean, at the end of the day, Jonathan did die and David served his children after that. That's a different story. But um, I have a friend where whenever she's going through something, we're so connected to the point where I'm actually going through it. 
and it's crazy because like we would not know this until we like come together and talk about it and it's like yo that's crazy or i had a ju- i just had a dream last night and you were in it and it's like oh shoot you just had a dream last night and i was in it so it's funny today because we were in the elevator and i looked at her face and i said oh my gosh what did you do <laughs> and she's like what are you talking about and she had a pimple like on the left side of her eye and i said this is your fault because I showed her that I had a pimple on the left side of my eye. Now, of course, I could be dramatic. You know what I'm saying? I could just be probably making this up. But I'm like, what did you do that you put this pimple on your face and you also put it on my face? <laughs> so we're just so connected in that sense of like, we just we just know each other. And like, we're spiritually connected in that sense of like, we're just connected. She understands my emotions. I understand her. Um, and we just grow like that. So that's what some of the things that I look for in a friend. I like somebody who is nice to everybody. Like, I never liked mean people. Like, I'm very approachable to the point where if I see you, I don't know you, I'll smile. And I'll probably ask you questions and stuff like that. But, like, I can't do mean people where you're mean to everybody else, but you're nice to me. It's not cute. Like, I don't like that. And, like... I've been seeing on Instagram whenever people are like, oh, I want a man that's mean to everybody, but he nice to me. Because it's like, no, because then the thing is, like, if you're mean to everybody, what makes me think you're not going to be mean to me too? What? I'm just a human. So that position that you're putting somebody else in, you can easily, easily, easily put me in that position and treat me that same way. So, nah, nah, nah. I like somebody who's respectful and nice to everybody. Now, y'all didn't ask this question of what I'd like in a man. So I'm not going to answer that because y'all didn't, y'all didn't ask that. But one day we'll probably get into that conversation. The next question is, how does your faith impact the way you think? I would say that like, faith is like my lens through life. If I had glasses or if I wore contacts, then the lenses of which I looked through would always be faith. I was raised in the church I was taught the Bible at a very young age. I pursued God very seriously at the age of 13. And he called me out of the lifestyle that I was living around that time. And so because I was so invested in God at such a young age, literally everything that I do and feel and breathe in life is through the lens of faith. And so whether I do something or whether I don't do something, it's based off of my relationship with God. And so, like, I mean, even as you listen to this podcast earlier, I'm bringing David and Jonathan into this. I'm bringing, like, biblical principles into this just because that's just how I live my life. And, yeah, even the way I go through, like, my academics, like, I'm like, God, be my TA. Be my a teacher's assistant. Help me understand these things. Sometimes the principles that I learned in accounting, I had to put it in a faith-based sense where I could understand it. So sometimes I won't understand something until you put it in Bible terms. And I'm like, oh, because the fruits of the spirit, da, 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 that's why I need protein. <laughs> like, it's going to make sense when you put it like that. So that's the way I like function and think about life. Um, I have two more questions, so please bear with me. Uh, I know you love this voice. Okay, so I got two more questions to go through and I'm going to let you go. But, um, okay, these are very deep. And the next question is, describe your life experience this far. <sighs> I need some water. <laughs> I don't even know how to, like, how to answer this. Because it's so much. And you know how you have to, like, keep telling your story over and over and over? I don't have a problem because y'all don't know me that well. And so, I mean, 
I probably have to say that for another video, but I can give like a brief something something of like my life experience this far. The general basics of who I am is that like I was born in Italy, brought to Ohio. That was the first state that I touched base in. Lived in California for a few years, and then I came to Georgia. And Georgia is where I live for the most part. I've lived in Georgia for about twelve years now, so I have everything down packed. I had an accent down packed, you know what I'm saying? So like, if I'm in Atlanta, you understand I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> um, yeah, that's geography wise. I am a DACA recipient, which um, is something that, like, as an African child, I've learned not to share, just because, like some experiences that I've went through in life is just kind of like running from or let me say hiding from immigration and I know like <laughs> this might catch some heat because we don't talk about it too often but like yeah like there were situations where you know we're hiding because the police is looking after us like you know I'm a DACA student if you don't know what DACA student is or what DACA is um let me look it up real quick because I don't know what the thing stands for but it's, uh, I think it's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Let me see if, I'm, if I got it. I know I'm smart. Yes, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And so it's a whole bunch of children who were brought to the U.S. at such a young age by uh, their immigrant parents. Yes. And so it's like when they came to America, then the children didn't have papers, but they were here, if that makes sense. Oh, boy, I'm sharing a lot. <laughs> I'm sharing a lot. I don't even know if I'm going to post this. But that's what it is. So um, it if you're a DACA recipient, then you're able to be in America under DACA. Um, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little actually nervous about sharing this just because, like, uh, I don't... Up until I came to college, like... I never shared that because I, I was taught not to just because you never know who's going. Oh, gosh, I even feel weird just saying this, but um, I know it's going to lead to breakthrough, I guess. Um, oh, I'm so nervous. What? What is going on? But I, no, I was just taught not to share that just because, um, you know, Africans are very secret about everything. And um, especially when it comes to status and citizenship, it's not something that you really just like put out there. So. It wasn't until I came to college and, you know, <laughs> the the two people that I told, like, it's like they spilled the beans. And whenever the beans got spilled, it got it got spilled to uh, one of my friends who that's actually how we became like very, very close friends because she was a DACA recipient. And I'm telling you, she was shouting from the rooftops. Oh, yeah, I'm DACA. If they catch me, they didn't report me. And it's just like, hey. So you have your big lips and the audacity to go and share this. And, like, I'm telling you, I'm under wraps. Like, everything I do is undercover. So, like, you know, I have my story locked down. But when I saw this person, like, my friend, like, sharing it so, like, freely, it just kind of confused me. Like, great, I guess I'm deported. <laughs> but, nah. Um, so being a DACA student, we are protected under law that um, we're able to be in the United States. And we do have to renew it every so often. But um, it permits you to be in the United States. And um, yeah, so that's that. If you're not coming from African background, you may not understand why it's kind of like hard to share this. But um, I was just always taught to hide this because you just never know who's plotting against you. 
and who's planning what and what people are saying. But I mean, at this point, what can I say? I don't care. <laughs> you can't do me because I've done myself. So, um, yeah, I don't even know how I travel down this rabbit hole of DACA, but I'm a DACA student and um, I've been in the United States ever since I can remember. And it's so interesting because I don't see myself as an African-American, um, technically because I'm not American, but um, I just, the way my parents raised me in an African household, it's, it's, be, it's like, that's my identity. The way my, my parents' identity has like morphed some way into who I am, which is totally natural. But I've been in America for 21 years and I'm 21 years old. So I've spent a few months out of the country and, you know, the rest of my life has been in America. But for the most part, in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, my body, in my spirit, I'm like fully bred African. Now, when I came to college for the very first time, um, I, enc- I encountered international students from Ghana. And when they found out I was from Ghana, they were like, oh, 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 my Ghana them. And then like, how long have you been here? And I say like 21 years and they're like, oh, oh, you're not African, you're not African. You're not Ghanaian, you're raised in America. And like that was the first time I had ever heard that ever. Like, because in America, like, I don't say I'm African-American. I don't even say that I'm black. I always say I'm African. And to hear Ghanaians from Ghana themselves tell me you are not Ghanaian or you're not African, that blew me. Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. That blew me. Um, it, it really did blow me. Because this is like, how you going to tell me I'm not African? This guy I've been in America for 20 years. But then I'm thinking, okay, when you're born and raised in Ghana, and then you see somebody who is like, their parents were born and raised in Ghana, and they brought them to America, you don't see them as fully Ghanaian. So I totally understand their perspective. But it definitely took me by surprise. Because <laughs> what you going to tell me? Like, And so I think that's a little bit of why, at a young age, I was very insecure about speaking chi chi is our language twi it's our mother tongue and um being raised in america it's like bro now actually we're gonna have to do a whole we're gonna have to do a whole like episode on this because my friends and i talk about this all the time like our parents are fully african but then they brought us to america where we are african by ethnicity but like because we've been in America so long, we also carry that identity too. So it's like a split thing. I'm too African for Americans or black Americans, but then I'm too black or too American for Africans. So it's like we actually can't win. We can't win at all. Um, yeah, we're going to get into that. My friend actually wrote a report um, on that and did a, a study. So maybe I'll have her come and talk about it. But yeah, so that's been my life. Um, been in America for most of my life. Georgia more than anything, but um, I, I used to sing in my church choir, and I was very, 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 very shy. Um, didn't like to sing, so I started dancing, and I started doing praise dance. And I danced at my school for culture nights, did the African dancing. I was always that one kid at parties. I was like, yo, put her in. And that was like when you add a plus four to a plus four to a plus four in Uno. It's like it's over. It's done with. You know, I was the one, you know, beating people up, slaying them when we did the uh, dance battles and stuff. Um, Yeah, and God pulled me at a very young age. Like I said, at 13, God called me, and that's when I started taking the call of God very, very seriously in my life. And um, since then, it's been a journey. I found myself on a few pulpits. I also do spoken word. I braid hair. I find beauty in nature. I also draw a little bit. I do quite a few things. I don't, I don't, take too much pride in them like I don't just like brag on them I just 
these are just things that God has blessed me with and <laughs> to whom much is given, much is expected. It's always like, I don't have time to brag. I have to like literally give glory to God or else, you know, not in a threatening way, but I, I literally have to give glory to God because that's, that's, that's that. But yeah, I know that doesn't go into like my whole life story, but it just shares a little bit about who I am. And, you know, I think I'm a little bit vulnerable there because I'm still a little bit skeptical of whether or not like there is things that I should mention because I'm okay. Like, because it's part of my story, I'm okay with sharing my story, but I'm more so thinking about family. And that's, that's like one of the downsides of like posting your life. Like you're not the only person that's affected by what you say. So I'm, I'm literally thinking beyond me and I mean, we'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. If y'all hear the part that I said, y'all will hear it. If you did it, you did it. It's okay. But, um, the very last question is how do you balance academics and ministry? And that's a fantastic question. Just to give you a, a bit of context of the type of person that I am. When I was in high school, I thought Jesus was coming back. This is when I was reading Revelations. And so it's like I'm listening and we lived behind a, a, a trucking company. So every morning at like 6 a.m., they would blow these like very loud horns. And there were many nights I thought they were the trumpets. My goodness. So at some point, my, my senior year, I said, you know what? I'm not going to sign up for any classes because Jesus is coming. And so since Jesus is coming, I don't have to sign up for any classes. I'm just going to I'm just going to let him come. And if and girl, please, what? I am in my senior year of college right now. Uh, because God said, yes, I'm coming, but use wisdom. Um, so I was that type of person to like put my academics to the side to pursue God anyway, even if it was in a very ridiculous way. But now that I'm in college, I am a president in BCF, which is Bethel Campus Fellowship. And it's a beautiful thing. It requires a lot of time, especially when you're doing ministry. But because I know that like, for me, God is like my number one priority he makes things happen when I'm not able to tend to my academics. Now, I can't always rely on this, but there are moments where it's just like I have an assignment to do, but then God is also calling me to pray for someone. And it's like, God, now this assignment is due at 1159. And I'll be having to tell God, God, I know you are in a realm where time doesn't exist, but my dude, like my thing is due in 27 minutes. And you're telling me to pray for this person. I don't know how long it's going to take, but... I just often find that when I choose God, something always works out. Whether the thing gets extended for another day or my teacher has grace on me and understands my situation, like it just always works out. And that just takes me back to Matthew 6.33. And it just says, seek the kingdom and its righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. And so every time that I, I want to seek myself or seek my education, I kind of start to get off, <laughs> off track and God is saying, seek me first and everything will be added unto you. So how do I balance academics and ministry? I put God first in everything and let him guide me. So there are moments where I actually want to pursue ministry. And I'm like, God, I want to pray for this person. And he's like, no, you have work to do. Like, go and study. So whenever I have the Holy Spirit as my guide, he actually, like, puts me in place. He puts me in check. And he's just like, Sabrina, this is a ministry moment. Sabrina, this is an academic moment. And make sure you're balancing it. So... Holy Spirit's my guide. He's my schedule. He's my TA. And um, he gets me, he gets me right. <laughs> he really does get me right. So that's really how I balance the two. Sometimes it does get hard, but um, I don't run the ministry by myself. I have three slash four beautiful people also helping me lead this ministry. And so I've learned to delegate and not do everything myself. And 
if something needs to get done, we can, we talk about it and we make it happen. So that's that. Those are the questions. And I really appreciate you. If you reached it all the way to the end, you are real one for real, for real, for real. I appreciate you listening to me and my vulnerability. I appreciate you like plugging me in, whatever you're doing, whether you're driving or like braiding hair or like doing homework. I don't know. I appreciate you listening to this 21 year old college girl in her dorm, just sitting here. I got my Eversheen lotion on my right hand and I have Dr. Scholl's arch pain. <laughs> I like this thing that I put in my shoe because braiding hair and you're standing on, like when I stand on my feet for so many hours, like my feet, my back, my arms, my shoulders ache. So, um, I got these Dr. Scholl's things. They're, they're okay, but I think I need to buy a different product because it's not, it's not helping me. I'm, I'm flat footed. <laughs> so yeah, I just appreciate you for taking the time to like, listen to me, to even look forward to my, my episodes. I can't wait, bruh. Like, I literally, 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 literally can't wait because, like, I, I mentioned this in my first episode that, you know, this is my podcast, but I'm having my friends on here. I'm having my family on here. And I'm just thinking about so like, the uplifting conversations that we're going to have. Like, there's no way you will walk away and be like, wow, I didn't take anything new from this. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I hope you're excited too. Are you excited? Please, I said, are you excited? <laughs> I'm definitely a feedback type of person. So even if I can't hear you, I'm like, I hope you're saying something. But this is the end of this podcast. I really, really, really appreciate your time, your energy, your effort. And I hope that you have an amazing day. Look forward to episode three. We don't know what's coming, but I promise you it is going to be a banger. Because you know what? It's hot over here under the sun. <laughs> you have an amazing day. And I hope you observe some good vitamin D. See ya.